Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As you know, I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am very excited to be here today with uh, one of my former students and one of my uh, former Quiz Bowl participants, and uh, Allie Bickle Adkinson, who is a 2012 graduate of our program. How are you, Allie? I'm great. I'm not going to lie. When you were saying like former student, I thought you were going to say favorite student. But... <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, you know that is absolutely true. With um, the Ali was um one of uh, like I said, Ali was one on um the illustrious quiz bowl teams that we had back in the um in the early part of the 2010s. We had a run there where we had um where we went to six quiz bowls and you, you know, they don't have them anymore. Right. Allie. I don't know if you knew that or not. Sad. Yeah. That's they, they discontinued them. They discontinued them because we were dominating them too bad. And um, yeah, they started doing, they started doing this like ridiculous, amazing race thing mm-hmm. um, because they, they felt like that, that that would be more popular. And we were like, whatever, we haven't been back since. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, but anyway, we, we can talk some more about that when we get to it. But, um, so I, I'm excited to have Allie today because for, for a couple different reasons, um, uh, one, um, she, she works in, um, she works in, in, um, employee experiences. Um, she is currently, um, the manager of talent acquisition and teammate engagement at specialized bicycle components. And, um, the other reason why I'm excited to talk to Allie is because um, during during the pandemic, there there are a few industries that that have really prospered and grown, and and um, and the, uh, the the bicycle industry is absolutely one of those. And um, uh, mo- I'm sure that most of our um, most of our listeners um, and audience out there knows knows of Specialized, and um, it's such a such a, a giant in the industry. And so, super excited to talk about that with you. But let's go back in time a little um, first, and and talk about where where are you from originally? You know, I know where you're from, but tell our guests where you're from. I'm from a town that probably no one has heard of, other than people who are commuting to school from the Bay Area, because historically Atascadero was the only town that had an in and out. Like when I was uh, in school, right. so that's how everyone knew of Atascadero, but that is, that is where I'm from, where I grew up. Right. The world famous in and out in Atascadero. I love it. That's a, that's a stop for many for sure. Um, so uh, tell us what did, what did your parents do when you were growing up? My dad has been at the same company um, since he was in college, and my mom has always been around like education, so substitute teaching, being an aide, um, and is most recently really engaged with Must Charities. She's a CASA. She's a very busy lady. She's never just sitting still. Yeah. I am sure. I, I was lucky enough to get to know your parents. They are fabulous, fabulous folks. Now, um, any siblings, brothers and sisters, or are you an only child? Younger brother, um, he's currently in San Francisco. He's doing his first year teaching, which is amazing because it's, you know, first year teaching not only, but then doing so remotely. Right. Um, What a a first year to teach. Right. Yeah. But he seems to love it. And I know his kids are really excited. So he's having a good time. Oh, good. I'm sure he brings the energy for them. And wow. Like, um, what a, what a time, you know, we've all, we've always, um, we've always valued our teachers. Um, and, um, well, uh, well, 
I should say, many of us have valued our teachers and educators. Maybe we we haven't valued them enough in our society, but um, you I know, during so. yeah, during a pandemic, it's like um, you know, for for me, uh, they are absolutely the heroes. You know, I I um, we had a a conference with one of our kids' teachers um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was just like. You know, obviously, we view ourselves as professors. We view ourselves as educators, but it, but it, but it's different, right? Mm-hmm. It's different. It feels it feels like the K through twelve. It feels like they're on the front lines, right? Where we're just kind of on the um, the 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 you know making things happen uh, front. I guess you could say. I don't feel like I'm on the front line at all. But the K through twelve educators, I, I really feel like they are for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So. Um, so let's talk about uh, what it was like growing up in a Tascadero. What were you into? If you're really curious about growing up in a Tascadero, I, I uh, am genuinely. <laughs> you should look up, you know, the whole monolith thing that happened recently where they were mm. popping up everywhere. Well, a Tascadero was famous for about a day when that happened with us. I saw that. And a gal who I went to basically grew up with wrote an article in SFGate, which really paints a picture of how boring of a town a Tascadero is. <laughs> so why it was such a massive deal to have the monolith there. So it's a very enlightening article, but right. it it was a boring town. Um, like when I was growing up, we ditched the movie theater, ditched the bowling alley. Like there was really nothing. So Uh that's when you just like got really creative with friendships and you just had your tight group and maybe you weren't doing anything other than like something like imagination games or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But you just got really creative and, and had a really close friend group. And mine all came from playing sports. I've always been a water person. I'm very uncoordinated. So the water seems to be a good aid with that. Right. Um, so on the swim team and the water polo team and, and that kind of thing. So that's where my friend group stayed. And we always were, we were doing weird stuff because we had kind of had to make up our own fun. Right. Of course. Of course. That's a small town. You have to make up your own fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think in a lot of small towns, at least for me growing up in the small town, we got into trouble. That was our, that was our uh, growing up uh, <laughs> in trouble uh, before we should have been getting in trouble type yeah. thing, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Whereas I, I see my kids like coming up into teenage years and I'm like, Oh gosh, I, I hope they don't, I hope they don't follow in dad's footsteps. <laughs> so, um, you know, for a lot of the podcast guests, Allie, I asked them, well, well, what led you to Cal Poly? How did you discover Cal Poly? And obviously as a, as a local, obviously you knew about Cal Poly and, um, and, and, uh, just over the grade. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you a different question. Um, and and I don't, I genuinely do not remember this. Did you come in as, um, recreation parks and tourism admin? Mm -hmm. What was, what was the story behind that? And, um, and were your parents initially supportive of that? Yeah. So I, of course, knew about Cal Poly. I did not want to go here because it was way too close to my family and I needed that space or whatever. Um, but then, you know, as I was applying, no, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I still don't know what I want to do for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. But I, one of my biggest mentors when I was in high school was my swim coach, Alex Truax, who was an RPTA major. And mm-hmm. so she was my swim coach. And then I worked for her as a lifeguard. And then I worked for him, her as a swim instructor. 
Um, so teaching some lessons and her job to me seemed like the coolest job. It still kind of does being an aquatics director because I really believe in the power of water and and teaching Mm -hmm. swim lessons and swimming. And, um, so because that's how she got to where she was, that's exactly why I was like, okay, Cal Poly might be close, but this is the only program that I'm truly interested in. Right. I love it. That's awesome. So, um, you know, those, those mentors growing up are just, are just so special. And, um, you know, there, there's actually quite a bit of research. I, I don't know if how many people know this, but, um, if you have a caring non-parental adult in your life, um, that, that can make a, a really big impact on you. And, um, and obviously mentors, um, serve that function. And so it's really cool. I love, I love hearing people talk about their mentors and, and, um, the impact they had on them. So, you know, you know, that I know that you were super involved in things when you were at Cal Poly and obviously with, um, a, a number with our, one of our main audiences for the podcast is current students. Right. And so, so they like to hear about ideas for things, um, to get involved with. And, and, um, and so I I wonder if you can reflect on, on your time. I know you, I know you're involved with, with wow. And I know you got involved with Cal Poly athletics and the swim center and city of San Luis Obispo and all of those different things. But are, are there things or experiences, you know, besides obviously the impact that I had on you with the quiz bowl, but are there other experiences you're supposed to laugh there? It's a good segue. It's a good segue. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Well, what I was going to say is I'm actually naturally a pretty introverted person. So it didn't come. I wasn't super active until you pulled me out for quiz bowl. So the reason why I didn't laugh is it's actually very true that like (laughs) I maybe I didn't have the confidence or I didn't necessarily know how, but quiz bowl was one of those things. And then, you know, when I was in school and I'm sure you're all still doing this, but I remember like so many classes had you doing group projects or mm-hmm. like volunteering and then, or like maybe just doing special offsites. And with that, you just got together with a few people from your classes and maybe you volunteered together. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends, Alyssa Arvin is from RPTA and she and I like really got to know each other playing cribbage at the Paso Robles Senior Center. Like, awesome. so that's kind of how I just started branching out. And then I got a lot of value from doing unpaid internships. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I saw one, especially because I didn't know what I wanted to do, I would just jumped on it and, and learn that way. I love it. That's so, that's so great. And, you know, I would never have guessed that you were not, uh, you know, I didn't, it, it's, it's hard for for us as as faculty members to 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 really know because most of our students or a lot of our students um in in their interactions with professors are not necessarily shy but they're i mean obviously if you're super gregarious we know that we see that but most students have this um this almost like they, we feel like we're not approachable. Right. And, um, and, and I've actually gotten that through at, at times in my career where, well, uh, he's not very approachable and I'm like, Oh no, that's the opposite of what I want to be putting off. Right. I want you to feel like I'm approachable. And so I did not, I didn't realize you're an inter- introvert. So, uh, thanks for, for sharing that story. So, um, the, 
one of the things that stood out for me when I'm looking back over your time um, was that you were the Respect and Diversity Committee member for for WOW. Um, so I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that. You know, it was um, obviously in the last year with the the civic and social unrest that we've had with um, and and the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Obviously, that has been pushed to the forefront of our thinking, and um, and you know, so back in 2010, um, the fact that we had a respect and diversity committee member, uh, you know, committee, I, I think that says a lot for Cal Poly and, and what Cal Poly was trying to do at that time. So can you reflect on that experience, what that was like? Yeah, absolutely. That was very, I mean, obviously when at that time, you know, I was still learning a lot. I'm from a predominantly white town at a predominantly white college. And so a lot of what I learned was actually new to me. Um, And so I think that's why being a part of that group was really eye-opening. And I just have to share that I also, because we, we worked so hard, like we worked, you know, hours and, you know, one of the biggest things we did was we put together this video that played during WOW Week, um, just kind of showcasing different ways that hate shows up and then showcasing different ways that love can show up. Uh Um, and we worked together as the R&D team for so, so long that when I, you know, finally got into the professional field, whenever R&D came up, I always thought it was respect and diversity. Very wrong. <laughs> right. Um, it's research and development. Yeah. yeah That's our, funny. <laughs> our engineering team will uh, easily correct me. But um, yeah, so, I mean, it was very, I, I was still learning a lot, right. but I will say it definitely piqued my interest and I've been able to weave that thread through all of my roles so far. So like mm-hmm. at Salesforce, I was able to participate in the women in technology group. And then um, at Specialized, I'm doing a lot of work right now in the recruiting field. Not enough. I will always say there's, I'm probably not doing enough because there's so much to do. But I do think that that, uh, that committee in college really shaped how I wanted to show up in ways that I could do that even maybe it's within my current role or, or ways that I can kind of do that um, at any company I'm at. Right. Right. I love it. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't ask you about um, your internship, you know, our, our, our current students, that's one of the top things that's top of mind. Right. I mean, I have second year students who come up to me and say, well, um, I just, I'm, I'm thinking about my internship already. What kind of advice do you have? And I'm like, what, what year are you again? And they're like second year. And I'm like, well, that's great. I, I want you thinking about it sooner rather than later, because you can, you can build. Right. So why don't you talk about, um, that experience of, of finding an internship, what you did, how you found it, that sort of thing. My dog. Sorry, you might need to cut that out. He's, he's sleeping. Oh, that's um, funny. My dog. My dog makes sounds, and uh, she makes sounds in her sleep too. So that was fine. probably the that's weirdest cool. one. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so in terms of the internship, um, I I did Disney College, and I'm not a Disney person. Um, I really am not a Disney person. But I was friends with Amy Lepp through Quiz Bowl and <laughs> famous Amy Lepp. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, was that an Amy, was that an Amy uh, getting Allie to go to Disney College with her? <laughs> it, it may have been. I also, this is a theme. I, I don't know what I want to do. I, yeah. I didn't at the time. 
Um, but I also knew that like, because the college program was very broad that no matter, and you don't, you get to kind of choose, you know, your top few like fields that you'd want to go into, but they ultimately choose for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so there is a chance I could have gotten in there and been thrown in as, you know, something else. Um, I was, I ended up being thrown in as a like guest services at a hotel, Um, but I, I knew that anywhere I was thrown in at Disney world, I was going to learn something, um, about hospitality, like entertainment and really just how to, how to create the best experience. So that's how I ended up there. And if you're considering Disney college, do it because it's so much fun and you learn a lot. Yeah. Right on. I love that. And we, and we've had, um, we've had a number of Disney college, um, interns over the years and, um, and they, they almost all say the same. I mean, that, that the experience is, is a once in a, once in a lifetime type experience. And, 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 you know, I think one of the things that's, that's always been kind of interesting for, for me is that, um, very rarely do they continue with Disney, like, but the, but yeah. the experience in and of itself is something that, that obviously you'll never forget. And, um, you know, with the move that we've made to experience industry management and, and Disney in terms of experiences, like they're, they're the, the ultimate, you know, like when you, mm-hmm. when you think about the experience economy and how it's grown and developed and, 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 uh, Walt, Walt Disney and, and Disney world, Disneyland has been a huge, huge part of that creating experiences for people. I think that may even be, um, one of the reasons why it resonates so much with people when we talk about experiences. Um, and so I appreciate you, uh, you sharing that. So, um, you, you then, um, you're, you're at, out of, um, this, so, you know, the, the transition, everybody wants to know about the transition. Well, did you get a job right out of your internship? What happened next? Like that sort of thing. We don't want to necessarily walk right through your resume. That's not what we're going to do, but, but what was that experience like in, in getting from an internship to a job? Very on brand. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. It took me a year to find a full-time role after I came back from Disney college. Uh-huh. Um, there was a lot that I wanted to do and I, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out exactly what it was. It was also, I, I had kind of a hard time getting a job. Mm-hmm. Um, not because of, you know, anything that like Cal Poly had to do with it. Everyone was amazing and hooking me up with different people, but mm-hmm. I think it was kind of a personal problem where I just, I didn't, I wasn't ready to commit anywhere. Right. So I spent um, a year doing a lot of soul searching and, and trying to figure that out. And in that year, um, it was probably one of the best years because I, I made money by substitute teaching uh-huh. and that year I also coached water polo and swimming, which yeah. was a blast. Nice. Um, while you know I shared that, that right? Sorry. You know, we share that right on our record. Oh yeah. I did know that actually. I was a substitute teacher and coach also. Yeah. So I love seeing that. That's awesome. It's a great job, especially like you get really, you get to figure out what you like and what you don't like. Like, Exactly. For example, I will probably never go back to teach middle school. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's exactly what it did for me. I'm like middle schoolers. No way. (laughs) Um, but I, I also learned that like, I would love to be a coach again in the future. So anyways, that was kind of my year of not really figuring it out. And then finally, um, one of my friends, Alyssa, who is still a very close friend today, she, what she worked at Salesforce at the time and someone approached her and was like, I need another you. And she's like, 
I know just the person. And then nice. I interviewed at Salesforce and that's how I, I started there. Nice. Right on. And so, you know, you spent, you spent about four years at Salesforce and um, I, I, I would love for you to reflect on that experience and what that was like. And, and, and that's ultimately kind of what got you into the explore, employee experiences realm, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And, um, and we've had a number of, of our graduates over the years that worked for sale that work for Salesforce. And so, um, you know, obviously with the connection with George P. Johnson and Dreamforce, uh-huh. there's been a lot of crossover there. Um, but I, I think you're one of the few maybe that's working at, that has worked in employee experiences. Um, so what was that like working for a company like Salesforce? It's obviously, um, you know, a, a giant in, in the industry and, and um, you know, a big uh, corporate entity. What, what was that? What was that like? What was your experience like there? It was amazing. Um, I still believe that Salesforce is one of the best companies out there because they they just do the right thing. They consistently do the right thing. One of their like their CEO, Mark Benioff, is someone I will always admire because he is the first one to take a stand when he sees something that is unjust or isn't right, and he'll he'll put money behind it. He'll put the business behind it. Um, so he takes a stand in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. I always really respected working there because when whenever there was anything that happened, we talked about it. You know, it was like it was a subject of conversation rather than just showing up and working. But no, mm-hmm. if there was something big happening outside of work, mm-hmm. um, it they call themselves the Ohana. Um, they did while I was there. I know that they still do. You you truly are a family. So it was an amazing place to work. Mm-hmm. Um it was also my first time working at a, a large company and they like doubled in size by the time I was even there. Um, so you learn a lot about like what that structure is like, what the promotion process is like. Um, it's definitely a lot more structured than where I'm at now. So learning how to navigate that was a really good learning experience. Um, and the, the second team I was on there was the best because we started this whole new function that was aimed at supporting our technology organization Uh um, through just engaging events. So I focused on doing hack days um, and we had a few innovation programs. So I was really stretched because I knew nothing about technology. Mm -hmm. I also really knew nothing about what those teams needed. So I, I ended up learning, you know, when to hold an events in a release calendar because you don't want to hold a big event on the night before feature freeze. Like these are all things that I never, right. I didn't know what a feature freeze was. So right. it was really, really cool to be able to like take events that I was really comfortable with, but then merge it with an audience that I was unfamiliar with. Right. Um, but like, I still, I'm still friends with a lot of the people on LinkedIn and I'll see them say, you know, I want to highlight some things that at Salesforce that were my favorite days at work. And I'll see those and I'll be like, I was behind a lot of those, or my team was behind a lot of those, like maybe yeah. an, an offsite or a half day or something like that. And so that that's really meaningful. I bet. I bet. Well, I, I just I just love that so many of our students have gotten in, in, engaged in employee experiences because each and every one that I talk to, it's like, yeah, I'm planning events, right? It's internal events um, uh, many times, um, but but then also not necessarily. Sometimes it's external events to, to get um, to get the word out there from experiential marketing t- uh, standpoint. And so um, that leads us uh, to your current position. Um, so like 
like I said earlier, um, Allie is the um, manager of talent acquisition and teammate engagement. I love that title, Allie, um, for specialized bicycle components. And so um, let's talk about what it's like working for specialized. I I, I want to, if, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd love to, our, our listeners love hearing what an average day is like, right? Like what's the, what's an average day like in the, in the life of Allie Atkinson? I, I don't think I've had an average day since I was at Salesforce. Um, so Specialize is completely opposite. Um, we are a, a much smaller company and I, I chose to move because it was something I was passionate about. Um, I, when I had originally moved to San Francisco, I didn't know anyone. I got engaged through, um, the triathlon club up there. And that's how I made a lot of my friends. Mm -hmm. I did an Ironman and I was like, it it changed my life. And I was like, you know, riding a bike changed my life. And as much as I loved my time at Salesforce, I, I CRM just didn't do it for me. I think they do mm-hmm. amazing things for the world, but personally I wanted something a little bit more. So that's why I chose specialized. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I applied there like 10 times. So finally, when they, when they hired me, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so it's, it's really different because everyone is there because they also believe that bikes change lives. Right. So it's a really passionate organization, which means that people work really, really hard. And it's not because they're being told to, it's because they really believe in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that means that like, if there's a job that needs to get done, it doesn't matter if it's in your job description or not, you're going to do it because you believe in what you're doing benefits the rest of the population. Um, and I know it sounds really cheesy. We're, we're not saving lives. It's it's bikes. But at the end of the day, you know, I believe that that's a way to, to really increase um, livelihood. So yeah. that's why I know every day is really different. Like my focus is on recruiting and teammate engagement, but it's not uncommon to be pulled into something else, whether it's like an mm-hmm. emergency response to something, teammate care, mm-hmm. Um so that's why every every day is truly different. Every day is different. And that and that's one of the reasons why I like asking that question too, because I think that's one of the things that's so exciting about what we do is that, that every day is different, right? It's not it's not punching a clock and working on an assembly line, you know. And so um so I love that. Um let's talk about uh let's talk about the pandemic, if you don't mind. Um, um obviously um it's been um top of mind for, for, for everyone for the last year. And, um, and, uh, bikes have, have thrived. I mean, there've, there've been, there's, there've been waiting lines for bikes. There've been people, uh, back orders and, and, and so I, I would love for, for you to talk about, um, what it's been like. Cause I imagine in, in, in the, the employee experiences world with a bike company, I imagine that you, that you've had, some challenges to be able to try to, to overcome along those lines. You know, it's one thing to, it's one thing to be, you know, in demand and to have a company that's thriving because of, of, of something that's going on in the world. Um, but it's another thing to support your employees through that um, yeah. because they're, your employees are, are going through what everyone else is going through. And so can you talk about um, what that experience has been like? Oh yeah. It's been, it's been really, it's been wild, you know, 
we were a company that historically never worked from home. Um, and it's because not that we necessarily didn't believe it, but we genuinely loved being in the office because we had a lunch ride every day. We had yoga, we had Pilates, we had all of these things that really organically brought teammates together. Um, so though my role was and still is teammate engagement, it was very, very organic too. Um, because there was always a way to get together, whether it was having bagels or so that was the type of environment where everyone knew each other. Everyone was friends with each other. And then kind of overnight, everything changed. Um, so it's been, it's been challenging. I'm not going to lie. It's been really hard because people are all affected in different ways. And I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, um, my, one of my teammates and I started, you know, a COVID response group so we could, you know, get a pulse check from all people from throughout the organization to see like, what can we do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, childcare was a really big issue. And, you know, we were, we kept brainstorming solutions to so many of these issues. And the hard part was that there was no solution, you know, like there, there was nothing that we could necessarily do other than be really empathetic. Um, and yes, of course, there are some, you know, we were able to provide a stipend, which was amazing um, in other ways. But I think that was really, that was really hard of like, you know, we, we know everyone's hurting right now, but we, we don't have a way to fix it. Um, so that, that was hard. And we still try to find ways to, you know, we did our first virtual bike to work week um, right. and all of these like fun virtual events. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, it's been a really great challenge. I've actually really enjoyed working on some of the response. So I'm definitely not on the front line, like some of my other teammates are. Right. Um, and it's also been really weird to be a company that benefited from the pandemic. It doesn't going to say that's got to be tough too. Sometimes. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Because in no world is that something, you know, we would have chosen or would have wanted But I do like, there's a squad of kids every day. They'll probably ride by soon that ride by on their bikes and that it just brings you so much joy to be able to see like, people people are using the bike as a form of exercise, of course, but, you know, as a form of, you know, mental health, using it to check out for a little bit, using it to get some freedom and fresh air. Um, So I, I do believe that it's more than just a bike, you know, it's a, it's a vehicle for really, you know, mental health, physical health and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, let, yeah, let's go down that. Let's go down that road. I would love to go down that road if you don't mind, Allie, for a few minutes, because um, I, I am I am with you, um, even though I'm not like a huge bike guy myself. I mean, I, I when when we were going to work, I would I would bike to work, you know, through three days a week, maybe. Um, but, um, I, I do believe, um, I, I do believe in the power of bikes. Um, and I, um, I, I'm with you there and, um, I, I think at least I hope that, um, that the pandemic has shown us, um, that we can collectively through our actions, we can make a difference. I mean, I know mm-hmm. the, um, the, the, the former administration like made some claims relative to, to climate change because of the pandemic and because no one was commuting to work, you know, but when in actuality, the pandemic was what created the, the, the drop in emissions, um, Mm -hmm. over that, over that last, you know, in, in 2020. Um, and so I'd like to ask you, like, what, what do you see, what do you see for the future, um, of, um, of bikes and of its, Bikes impact in um, hopefully helping to stem the climate crisis. 
Yeah. Um, that's a very deep question. I it think it, it, it's amazing. Um, I see a lot more electric bikes in the future. Um, I've already seen a ton of them now, but I know that that's one of our biggest areas where, um, it really levels a playing field and it makes bikes an appropriate means of transportation because historically, um, you know, I live off Johnson. If I'm going to run errands by the time I get home, I'm going to be super sweaty. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going to have a, maybe like a, a carton of milk, you know, all these things. And it's not, I'm not going to turn to my bike to do that. Yeah. Getting um, back up that hill. Exactly. <laughs> so so uh, yeah. So I, I should have said, we should say that Allie has recently, um, is, um, is, is in back in San Luis Obispo and is able to, um, is able to work, um, virtually. And so we, we shared, uh, beforehand that, um, she was like, do you know that I'm back and slow? And we, we realized that, um, i probably could throw a baseball and hit her from, um, from here. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the 20 year old Greenwood could have the 48 year old. No, probably couldn't get it there, but, um, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that Johnson Hill, man, the first time I tried to conquer that one, I was like, Whoa, I felt like I was in an iron man. <laughs> I know. I know. So, but it's, it's really amazing to see, like, we, um, we came out with a bike a few years ago called the Creo, which what it's, uh, it's, our first electric like road bike made for, you know, longer road rides and, and some gravel rides too. And I know that initially there was a lot of, you know, specul- speculation of, you know, why, why would someone do that? Like, why can't they just get into better shape on their own? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, at first I, I was like, you know, I, I didn't really see it. And then, you know, first of all, you get on one and you have the best time of your life. Um, but second of all, there are so many individuals who it has made biking so much more accessible for them. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a woman I know who's probably one of the strongest cyclists I've ever met, um, but was recovering from a surgery and she needed, she ended up getting a Creo to help her get back up to some of those longer rides that she had been doing. So like what, what electric bikes do for that accessibility is really, really cool. Um, and it's definitely changing the um, the landscape of what a cyclist looks like because, you know, it's it's historically a sport for predominantly white men. I'll just say it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was in the city and I was doing all my rides, that's that's mainly the people that you saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to see more people choosing bikes as something that that they identify with has been really cool. And that's not all electric bikes. It's the emergence of gravel bikes um, and more mountain biking and a lot of efforts from the outdoor industry to make it really accessible too. Right. Well, and, and I want to, I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, you, you mentioned it earlier in talking about your background and diversity and, um, at Cal Poly and, and what that has meant to you in your career. And, um, you know, one of the, the, the reasons why I, I initially reached out to Allie is because on LinkedIn, I saw this, uh, picture that she posted of her, um, uh, women in specialized, uh, group that she does. And it was just, it just looked like such a fun interactive group that, that you started. And, um, I was just so impressed and so proud of you. And, um, and so I wonder if you can talk about that, like what, what efforts that, that you've made and that specialized is made, um, to, to try to, um, to try to make biking more, more friendly for all kinds of people. Yeah. Well, I will clarify. I did not start that group. Oh, you didn't start it. You were, run, you were running it or something at the time. I'm maybe? a very active participant. Oh, okay. I, like there are two, um, 
two women who, who originally started it. One has gone on to greater things. Now another woman is the co-host and it's my favorite meeting of the month. Gotcha. Um, so they, they're phenomenal. Um, but in terms of, of your question, I think I can answer it with a different initiative that, uh-huh. um, I worked on. So we launched a women's mentorship program about two years ago. Um, and it was a massive effort of, you know, a lot of people asking for mentorship and not having that option for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were able to launch a, a co-mentorship program, which, you know, you kind of took turns being the mentee and the mentor. So it was, you got a lot out of it because you learned so much by being a mentor. Um, and then obviously being that mentee as well. So I would definitely say that that's like one of my proudest accomplishments. And we're now on our fourth or fifth iteration of it, um, we still have that original group that meets. Um, but then we've been able to, to open it up to, to all teammates that specialized and make it really accessible too. So um, definitely something I'm very proud of was to provide that, that networking and connectivity for a lot of our, our amazing women. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I, I just want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a, it's been amazing talking to you, and um, I, uh, you know, I'm I'm obviously uh, very fond of of all of the former Quiz Bowl members uh, that uh, that uh, from from our days of of winning championships and Quiz Bowl back in the day, and that that was so much fun. And um, I just appreciate you taking the time um, with me today, and I'm super excited to hear that we're neighbors and um super excited to, to get a coffee uh with you at some point and uh catch up even more thanks so much for your time today thank you i appreciate it all right see ya bye